Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making her way to the mic. They start dimming the lights. You start feeling alright. From Birmingham, home of the Teddy Longs, and the room is stutters. More once you discover. For all of the lovers, Whitney Houston and Roman Reigns. For all of the lovers, Mickey James and Marvin Gaye. For all of the lovers, it's Sasha Banks, Janelle Monet, Silk, Sonic, and Paige. Allow me to say. Look, I just found a place we'd escape Every one of us, I was kinda late I just made it off the struggle bus Walking by the fate, cause I know It's right in front of us, yo, I ain't with the hate Gotta focus on what's great Ladies and gentlemen, Steph Hardy is on the air Had to drop a couple bars just to make you all aware So, sit back, relax, enjoy the show You know I go by Joe or the rest of Hey y'all, welcome to a new episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Of course, if this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing with me on this wrestling journey. And if this is your first time listening or watching, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that I can continue to be a safe space for you to love wrestling and listen to all the things that you love about wrestling. Like I said, my name is Stephanie Hardy and I'm the host and creator of this fabulous, amazing wrestling show. The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. I'm also host and writer for Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet, and color commentator that's been featured on the Belladonna Division, Battle Club Pro, and Black Girl Magic 2022. And I am so happy to be here with you guys on this amazing Sunday evening where I'm going to be talking about a lot of different things in the world of professional wrestling. Um, hopefully you're doing okay and daylight savings time beginning again didn't kick your butt the way it kicked my butt this morning because I woke up and it was like 11 and I was like whoa hold on like what happened but yeah daylight savings time really did begin today and it kind of shook me a little bit but now I'm here and I know this show was supposed to be Saturday but I pushed it back because your girl needed some rest I was really tired from working this week and then there was just a lot of stuff going on so your girl needed to rest. So I'm glad that you're here if you are watching it. And there's a lot we're going to get into in this episode. And I want to talk about on this episode because we are on the road to WrestleMania. We are close to either 20 or 19 days until WrestleMania. And it will go Hollywood. It will be at the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. And I will be there. A lot of people will be there. And I am so excited either way. But on the road to WrestleMania, we got a lot of stories a lot of personalities, a lot of things finally coming together. So, of course, in this episode, I'm going to have your news and gossipish. I'm going to have a special segment, and I'm going to talk about what I loved in wrestling this week. So let's get into it. Now, first of all, we got to start by saying that this month is a proud month because it is Women's History Month. It's like right after Black History Month, you got Women's History Month. And I am so happy that I'm so happy to be a woman, number one. Um, and I'm really happy to be a Black woman in this wrestling space. So, of course, you know, we just you just got to celebrate the women around you all types of women around you, whether they do stuff for you, whether they don't do stuff for you, whether, you know, they are there for you in a motherly capacity, or if they're just your best friend or whatever, 
support and celebrate the women around you because we make the world go around, okay? So please just, while this month is going on, continue to learn the history of women, of all types of women, that cisgender women, transgender women, all of us up in here that are making waves and doing things, not just in wrestling, but in all things. And just celebrate yourself if you are a woman watching this show. Celebrate yourself, pat yourself on the back, love on you and love on the women in your life. Because we are in here making it happen regardless of all of the things that are put in our way to try to stop us or silence us in various different ways or control us. We are still up in here doing the dang thing, okay? So happy Women's History Month, first of all, from the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Got to say that. So moving forward into news and gossip-ish, we have to discuss a lot of different things going on, like I said, since we're on the road to WrestleMania. So firstly, Miss Trinity Fatu, who is formerly known as Naomi in WWE, two-time SmackDown Women's Champion, one-time Women's Tag Team Champion, is going to be the guest of honor started by <laughs> the internet is going out weirdly enough um is an event started by the rapper Wale who is Grammy nominated and he is also a really big wrestling fan and a long time ago he wanted to start something in San Jose California that celebrates wrestling and music in all of its ways in pop culture so Wale Mania is basically like a giant party from what I'm understanding about it because I've never been but I do plan on going um when I'm in California it's going to be this big party slash concert slash podcasting event where you can network with all these personalities in wrestling. It's lots of black excellence at the at the wrestling show, including Trinity Fatu, who is going to be the guest of honor, along with various other people like Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, who are going to be at NXT Stand and Deliver that weekend. MVP, I believe, is supposed to be there. Even Adam Cole and his lady love, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, is supposed to be making an appearance there as well. And Jade Cargill, too. So basically, anybody who's anybody in wrestling it might just be at Wale Mania. So, and I know they're going to be hosting a live version of the Masked Man show with David Shoemaker and um, Kazim. So they're going to be there at that show as well. So it's going to be really interesting and really cool. But I love how they're choosing to honor Trinity um, slash Naomi at this show as the guest of honor because it seems that in the midst of everything that had happened last year with her and Mercedes Monet walking out of WWE everybody really was you know trying to chart where Mercedes Monet was going to go next what she was going to do in wrestling or what she was going to do in movies and stuff like that because her star has risen even outside of wrestling right but at the same time you have Trinity who is, you know, making waves as a model and doing the little things that she is doing um, since she's left WWE as well. And she kind of gets lost in that conversation and lost in the shuffle a little bit. So I'm glad that Wale Mania took it upon themselves to give her the honor of being the guest of honor at Wale Mania. And I can't wait to see her and actually, you know, show up with her. Who knows? Maybe she and I might talk. You never know. But I am excited to attend Wale Mania because, like I said, it will be my first time there. 
I heard it's a really big party and it's a lot of great stuff going on there. But mainly I'm just there to network and just get a little bit of my party on, but not a whole lot, you know, and just go hard. So congratulations to um, Trinity Fatu for being honored as the guest of honor at Wale Mania. And you can still, as far as I know, get your tickets to attend. Um, so please hurry up and do that um, before they mess around and sell out. So, yeah. Um, on YouTube, we have Hassan Terrell. Hi there. Hey, thank you for watching. Thank you so much for watching. So, yeah, uh, congratulations to Trinity. Moving forward with more news and gossipish, Friday night <laughs> on SmackDown, they announced the first inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame, and it is none other than Mr. 619 himself, the king of Lucha, the goat of Lucha, Rey Mysterio. Oh my God! Now in the in the wrestling internet streets, everybody was really wondering, like, are they even gonna have a Hall of Fame this year because they haven't announced anybody yet? They ain't said nothing yet. What's going on? But Friday, they put all of those rumors to rest and finally announced their first inductee, and it is Rey Mysterio. And when I tell y'all, I was I was excuse me thrilled that that had happened. I was so thrilled that it was him and I was shocked that it was him too, because a part of me was like, will they induct him, you know, or if they'll ever induct him, you know, will they do it? You know, will they wait to do it after he's officially retired and isn't wrestling anymore? Or will they do it, you know, while like he's active or something like that, but they announced it. And I, let me tell you my journey with it. I'm watching SmackDown, right? And I'm watching it with the family. Shout out to mom and dad. And the TV, the TV's on, we're watching wrestling and they're saying that they're going to announce the first inductee. And when it came up, of course, you know, they, they had it up there before they showed who it was going to be before they started the montage. And when it, and when the mask came up there from all of his former, um, interests, and it was him. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I yelled out loud. I was so excited for Ray because I love me some Ray Mysterio. I've loved him since the 2000s, okay? And he had that theme song where he was saying, who's that jumping out the sky? R-E-Y Mysterio. Here we go. Look, I've loved him since then. And I know that he has had an amazing wrestling history even before he was in WWE, of course, with his work in WCW, because who can forget his amazing classic match with um the late great Eddie Guerrero at Halloween Havoc, where he had on that purple gear. And who can forget any of his work with the Cruiserweight division with that as well. And also when it comes to his wrestling, like this man has been wrestling since he was 14 years old. Like, this is a family business when it comes to him, you know, because I believe it was his uncle who got him into it. So he got into it and he's been wrestling since he was 14 years old. Now he is in his 40s now, still wrestling like he's young. And it is just so amazing to see this happen. Like, I'm so happy for him. Like, the streets are happy. Everybody and their mama's happy. People are saying it's about time. Like, seriously, I feel like this is the right time because just last year, they were celebrating um, his 20th year in, in WWE, or at least in wrestling, period. And I was so thrilled that they were celebrating that with him and stuff like that. And now, of course, here he is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now, of course, he didn't get a chance to talk much about it because he was interrupted by his brat of a son, Dominic, on SmackDown. If you know, you know. But either way, I'm happy it's happening. Here we are. Rey Mysterio is an OG, and he is getting to celebrate that. And we get to celebrate that at the Hall of Fame in California. 
which will be taking place Friday, March 31st, right after that episode of SmackDown, too. I don't know if I'm going to be there, but, you know, we just got to wait and see. Hey, Malcolm. Thank you for watching. Yes, congratulations to him. So, yeah, congratulations to Rey Mysterio. You are a king amongst men, and you're amazing. So, yeah. Next on the docket for news and gossip-ish, we have Logan Paul. Now, I know he's very unpopular with a lot of people. A lot of folks don't like him. And they feel like he does a little bit much when it comes to his attention and his platform and whatnot, along with his brother, Jake Paul. And they've sort of made the transition into sports with Jake Paul being a boxer, who I believe recently lost a boxing match, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then you also have Logan Paul now, who has inserted himself into Seth Rollins' business, because, of course, he met, he eliminated him at the Royal Rumble and then ruined his chances at winning the U.S. title at Elimination Chamber. So he's kind of been a thorn in the side of Seth freaking Rollins lately. But he spoke on his impulsive podcast about something that was really interesting. Logan Paul admitted on his show that he did not know who Seth Rollins was before joining the WWE. He said, and I quote, I didn't know who he was until I got into wrestling. Apparently, he's pretty big in the wrestling world, but I know who he is now. He's very good at what he does. Very good at what he does. He's probably top three in the business right now. For that reason, it'll be an honor to take him out at WrestleMania. I'm really happy with this matchup. Now, this is really interesting because, of course, you know, when you're and when you're on the outside looking in, it's kind of safe to assume that Logan Paul wouldn't have known who Seth Rollins was because um, a lot of celebrities have a tendency to talk about wrestling. And when they bring people up, they bring up a lot of people of the past. They'll bring up, you know, of course, your rocks. They'll bring up Stone Cold Steve Austin's. They'll bring up Kurt Angle, you know, on a good day or so many other people from the past like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that or Goldberg. But you have to be like almost really deep entrenched in wrestling to really fully know who Seth Rollins, you know, is on that level um, of fandom. So I can understand how he didn't know who he was until he signed his contract with WWE, but I'm glad that he does know now. And now that he knows now, he gets to adapt his abilities to face someone like Seth Rollins, who is one of the best, like he said. Seth Rollins is is really iconic that even in him losing a match, he still wins. Like he never really does, you know, look like the weak person in a match. And I'm really excited to see what him and Logan Paul do cook up because even though Logan is a bit polarizing when it comes to the wrestling fandom or just with people period, even outside of wrestling, you can't deny that his wrestling skills are pretty on par with a lot of people who have been wrestling for like, maybe I would say maybe at least five or even 10 years at this point, like he is really good. So I can't wait to see, you know, if when this match does become official at WrestleMania, I can't wait to witness it. Cause Logan Paul really be, you know, going in, in the ring. But to do it with Seth Rollins, who's basically like a ring general at this point, would just be pretty iconic stuff. So, yeah, there's no blame here at Logan Paul, because, I mean, like I said, if you're only you, the one of the one ways you would really know who Seth Rollins is, if you're deeply entrenched into wrestling um, and not just someone who's sort of on the outside looking in or if you're just starting. So. 
No judgment here, Logan. So, yeah, moving on to the next story. Yeah, there's Seth Rollins right there in that picture. I'd be forgetting while I'm talking that I have more pictures of these people. Um, But, yeah, there's the fabulous Seth Rollins. So, moving forward um, with the new story, we have Ronda Rousey and the rumors about her um, possible injury. So, um, So, basically, it's looking like she may or may not be a part of WrestleMania because of an injury that she has going on. Um, And it's kind of unfortunate because a lot of people really were pushing for her to possibly face um, Lita and Becky Lynch for the tag titles alongside Shayna Baszler. But it's looking like she might not be able to, and it's really unfortunate. So um, I'm going to pull up the actual report here. So I won't just sound like I'm talking out of my behind. Um, so it's really crazy. I have a lot of stuff here. So please bear with me, guys. Bear with me. Um, okay. So according to the Wrestler Observer newsletter, um, Rousey is dealing with a hairline arm fracture. That means that, which means that she might not be a full go at WrestleMania and that some speculation has hinted that she might miss WrestleMania outright, which would leave WWE grasping for a backup plan for the women's tag titles or keeping them off the program outright until a later marquee event. Um, But they're also saying that thankfully, though, Rousey's current injury um, happens within the context of a tag team match and that shouldn't stop Baszler for competing for or winning the titles. But the weird thing is, though, it's just you're saying that, but then I'm wondering, would Lita and Becky Lynch fight two nights in a row at WrestleMania? Considering Lita, Becky, and Trish Stratus are now set to face off against damage control on one of the nights at WrestleMania, like on a, you know, six, six woman tag team match thing going on. I'm wondering if that would even happen at this point. Like, would that be a thing? Like, I don't know. Would they defend the titles against Shayna and Ronda at night two of WrestleMania or would they just fight in that one match and then just basically proceed to move on, you know, with the rest of the program? I don't know. But Ronda hasn't been on TV. She wasn't on SmackDown this past Friday. And Shayna wasn't either. So it's just kind of, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of up in the air. But if she really is injured, I hope that she does, you know, get better soon so she can get back to doing things um, with her partner, Shayna. Like, who knows? We just got to wait and see. So moving forward with another good high profile um, news story in wrestling, Bad Bunny, the Grammy Award winning rapper and just all around sellout act in life right now is set to host WWE Backlash in Puerto Rico coming up. And I thought this was absolutely amazing. This is an amazing announcement because Mr. Bad Bunny is just out here, not only just in music, but also in wrestling. And he puts his wrestling fandom on Front Street. And what really let me know about this was just the fact that when he did that song with Cardi B called I Like It, 
he was talking all about he actually made a reference for Viva La Raza which was like an Eddie Guerrero thing and then one of his biggest hits Booker T was about Booker T and had Booker T in the music video so I love that he puts his wrestling fandom on front street for everybody to see even though he's not the first one to do it the way he does it seems very real and organic and like at the other Wrestlemania he has basically um, at the Wrestlemania in 2021 he wrestled a tag team match with Damian Priest who was also of Puerto Rican descent and they fought The Miz and um, gosh I forgot who The Miz was oh wait no John Morrison and The Miz that's who it was so seeing him in the ring you know and chopping it up with people along at the Royal Rumble too like it just never ceases to amaze me but yeah they announced on WWE announced Wednesday that Bad Bunny will be hosting Backlash on in San Juan Puerto Rico on May the 6th and the show will be taking place at the Coliseo de Puerto Rico Jose Miguel Aguilar forgive me I do not Spanish is not my first language forgive me um and this will be the first um pay-per-view WWE pay-per-view in Puerto Rico since New Year's Revolution in January of 2005 and it'll also be the first um of course pay-per-view after Wrestlemania in California now he did give a quote for this and he talked about the importance of WWE returning to his hometown he said in 2005 when I was a kid I wasn't able to attend New Year's Revolution at El Coliseo finally 18 years later WWE returns to the island with a massive event and this time I won't miss it and I thought that was very sweet because you just never know you know what happens to people and how come they can't go to various you know wrestling events you know sometimes you just can't afford it or sometimes you know stuff comes up and you just can't do it but at least this time he was able to make a dream of his come true and actually be at a wrestling event in his home in his home island so I'm really happy for him and I'm happy that um, a wrestling event will be going to a place where there's a where there's like a collection of brown people like I'm so happy that that's happening and that they're actually going all over the world and this is what Triple H said as head of creative um, he said that there is a recent trend of holding premium live events outside of the continental U.S. he said we're excited to bring backlash to San Juan as the demand for WWE pay-per-views outside of the U.S. continental U.S. continues to grow bad bunny is one of the world's most popular entertainers and nowhere is that more evident than in his native puerto rico so congratulations to puerto rico um and it is a u.s territory so it is a part of us so definitely congratulations to them congratulations to anyone of puerto rican descent you know listening to this show or who has ever supported this show you know congratulations to y'all y'all get an event to go to because you know us in the continental u.s we spoil um, so y'all get to have this and I'm just really happy for y'all. And I'm also happy that money in the bank gets to be in, um, London too. Like other people get to have fun and not just watch it all the time. They get to actually go to the things. So congratulations to y'all and big, big ups to Bad Bunny for being who he is in wrestling and also in music too. Just continue to just shake the table, sir. Um, and this is the Coliseum where he's going to be at. Um, it's a really beautiful place. I like it. I think it's cool from just the pictures. So big ups to Puerto Rico. Now, I also love that Triple H was was had actually mentioned this in the Survivor Series War Games press conference. Um, I only know her, this reporter's name, 
off of Twitter, but her name is NYC Demon Diva. She was at the um, press conference for Survivor Series War Games, I believe. And she actually had the chance to stand up and ask Triple H a question because Byron Saxon, no shade to him, you know, kept picking a lot of men to ask questions. And she had her hand up the entire time. And she was all, and then Triple H was like, look, there are a lot of men in here and you haven't picked a lot of women to ask a question. So I'm going to, you know, open my question for her. And she asked him, you know, about a wrestling, would there ever be wrestling events in um, places like Puerto Rico and stuff like that? And he actually answered that question and said to stay tuned. So now with Backlash being in Puerto Rico, we have that going on. And big ups to Triple H for actually answering her question and making space for women, you know, in those press places to ask questions as well. So moving forward with more news and gossipish, Impact Wrestling announced that their Under Siege event will be taking place and also their Under Siege Fallout will be taking place on Friday, May 26th and Saturday, May 27th at London, Ontario, Canada. Um, they're really excited about it. So I wanted to include them because I feel like I rarely if ever talk about Impact on my own platform. So I want to discuss it. So Impact Wrestling, you know, announced that Under Siege is returning later this year and that it will be held at the Western Fair District Agriplex in London, Ontario, Canada on Friday, May 26th. And then they'll host the, the host of Fallout TV tapings on Saturday, May 27th. And that the tickets go on sale on Friday, March the 10th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, yeah, I just wanted to give big ups to Impact Wrestling because they did make this announcement and I feel like they deserve more of a platform on here for me to talk more about their stuff because I may not get to watch them a lot, but I do be seeing some stuff that they do have going on. And of course their knockouts division is beyond reproach. There is nothing bad that they ever do. Um, <laughs> I love them so much. And then on women's wrestling talk, we talk about them a whole lot too with our after show hosted by our senior edit our senior um writer Nikki Bougie and also our editor in chief Drian Santana the dominating tag team in women's wrestling talk um the salt shakers they do talk about impact wrestling so if you're looking for an after show that discusses impact wrestling please go to them and they'll give you more information on the stuff going on with impact and then of course this um I guess it's safe to assume that this event will be taking place after their crossover event with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which will be taking place the weekend of WrestleMania. So you've got that going on for it as well. So big ups to Impact Wrestling always for the things that they do. And finally, in news and gossipish, we have news about, wow, Women of Wrestling Superheroes. They will have two Women of Wrestling documentaries premiering on Pluto TV in March um, this month. So be on the lookout for that. They announced that My Road to Wow, The Secrets of the Superheroes and the Origin of Wow Women of Wrestling will air on the Pluto Fight Channel in March. Um, and basically... They said that the Secrets of the Superheroes documentary was produced by See It Now Studios with Triage Entertainment, and it offers a behind-the-curtain look at the current roster. And the origin of WOW was produced by Fishbowl Worldwide Media, and it will take a look at the history of WOW. And Glow and WOW founder David McLean, who is slowly becoming, who is not slowly, but really is one of my favorite personalities on WOW, period, because he's just so animated and he's just so sweet. Um, and WOW trainer Selena Majors and AJ Mendez, the executive producer, and Jeannie Buss will speak 
on in the documentary. And this is the press release. Well, they base I basically just said everything, you know. And they're going to be talking about the women are going to be talking about the inspiration behind what got them into wrestling, their ring gear, you know, what inspires them, and all of the above. And I'm really excited about this. Now, the origin of WoW is going to be exploring the larger-than-life story behind the evolution of women's wrestling from a sideshow act at Fairgrounds to the rise of the first all-female wrestling league with GLOW, which is Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling in the 80s, and the rocky road to success leading up today, leading up to today with WOW as we know it today. So I'm really excited, and um, the new season of WOW will be streaming on Pluto TV um with two episodes airing weekly so i'm really excited about that um so we also cover wow on women's wrestling talk i'm really pumped about that and i love everything that they have going on even though and i have to make my screen bigger with this even though some people i did see this is another part of news and gossip is here um but it has to do with wow um, the Wrestling Observer Awards actually had WOW Women of Wrestling in a category for worst wrestling promotion. And I hated that. I really hated that. I try not to give stuff like that that much power, but I do have to speak the truth on my show. I did not like that they were listing that as one of the worst um, wrestling promotions because the amount of action that these women put on on an hourly basis every weekend is still really good regardless of it not being like every other wrestling show that you're used to seeing and yeah the characters are larger than life and they're a little bit different you know outside of the regular wrestling spectrum that you're used to doing but listing them as the worst promotion was just a, one of the worst promotions to vote on was just a little bit out of sync and really gross to me and considering they're like one of the only all women shows on television alongside with women's wrestling army which is just streaming but at the same time it's like to do that and sort of single them out was just really gross to me and I feel like when you do stuff like that and when publications do things like that I feel like it makes um people's jobs 10 times harder or women's jobs 10 times harder when it comes to covering wrestling because you have people with these larger platforms dissing women's wrestling over and over again and then it's just like yo why can't you just respect it and I understand if it might not be your taste or if you might not like it like I understand that completely and that's valid but at the same time for you to go out of your way and say that that's the worst promotion was just really gross to me is and you really you can't do that and I feel like that's just really um gross and then when you really think about the fact that wow is actually outdoing no shade to impact wrestling but i've seen reports that there are times where wow women of wrestling actually tops impact wrestling in their ratings and this is a syndicated version of wow that's on various different channels within the cbs umbrella and it airs at different times throughout the country so yeah, let's not bully women, all women shows, because that's gross, and that only makes you look like a, a bully, so yeah, I understand if it's not your taste, but let's just not pick on these all women shows, and considering the action that these women give are amazing, and these are women who are active in the independence as well, like, for all you know, they could pop up on WWE one day, or pop up on AEW one day, or Impact one day, and then the record will show that you diss them 
when they started on WoW. But then you'd probably mess around and big them up on another big platform. Like, get yourself together. Stop that. But I believe that is all for news and gossipish. Um, so it was a really great place to end there, seeing as it's Women's History Month. And you start with women and you end with the women. So I liked it very much so. So now we're going to go into my special segment where I'm going to be talking about something really special and near and dear to my heart. Like I said, it is Women's History Month. So because it's Women's History Month and it's also the month before WrestleMania, Jesus Christ, WrestleMania is on the horizon. Okay. It's going to be emanating from Hollywood this time. And like I said, I will be attending. But because it's going to be my first WrestleMania because it is Women's History Month. I wanted to use my platform to talk about women's history, specifically in WrestleMania. And I wanted to talk about the both of them combined with each other. So this is the start of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast Women in WrestleMania segment. And I hope you guys enjoy it as I continue to watch these matches. So basically what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be watching these matches these women's matches from WrestleMania in all of its history and talking about them and giving a play-by-play of how I felt about watching the match, you know, throughout, you know, the week and sort of, you know, give more of a platform to these matches and talk more about the history of women's wrestling and where it was during its different, during WrestleMania's different iterations. So I hope you enjoy this women in WrestleMania, um, segment as I get it cracking. So of course, if you're going to talk about the history of WrestleMania, you got to start at the beginning. And I'm going to today, I'm going to be talking about rest the first ever WrestleMania women's match between Leilani Kai and Wendy Richter for the WWF Women's Championship. Now, of course, a long time ago, as you can see, these women, um, this was in the 80s. The first WrestleMania was in 1985, and it emanated from Madison Square Garden. And as you can see, this is like the old school logo right here with the old school WWF logo right there. It kind of takes you back or, you know, takes a couple of you guys back um, to the 80s and stuff like that. Of course, I wasn't born yet, but this was kind of the era where WrestleMania and everything was popping off. They had the rock and wrestling connection because Hulk Hogan was that dude at that point in time. And he was the guy with the crossover appeal. And so. Other celebrities were interested in wrestling. You had Mr. T at this WrestleMania. And of course, later on, we'll get into more of what Cindy Lauper had to do with this match and everything. So you also had Liberace there, who was like a, a Vegas showman pianist at the time. And just so many different celebrities at this WrestleMania. So it was a really high profile event that sort of set the course for where we're going to go or where we have been in WrestleManias in the past and now in the future. Like, it's really crazy stuff when you go back and think about it. But yeah, when you go back in time and look at the first WrestleMania, this is how it started. And you think about how they had all of these, how right now they have all these crazy graphics and all these amazing commercials setting the course for WrestleMania coming up with the... um 
movie <laughs> with the movie vignettes and everything. But you know, it started off relatively simple and very humble. WrestleMania was a huge gamble that Vince McMahon decided to take to put wrestling on another level, and it wound up paying off in the end because now it's one of the premier giant events that people look forward to on the same level as the NBA Finals and the Super Bowl and the World Series and all of it. But like I said, it started off really humble. And this is how it started with the letters and, you know, saying live on the top and with the letters saying WrestleMania in the middle and all of that. Like this is the 80s. So it's really nice to go back to this stripped down era of what WrestleMania was like back in the day. It was it's really cool to go back in time and see that um, this sort of reminds me of a conversation that I was having with one of my music professors, Dr. Bullock, when I was at her house one time and I was watching wrestling and there was all of the fireworks and all of the staging. And she was just like, you know, when I was looking at wrestling, it wasn't looking like that. And it wasn't, it really wasn't like there was pageantry and grandeur, but never on the level because of, of where it is now, because, you know, technology has evolved and all this stuff, but yeah, it's really cool to go back in time and look at how wrestling was and how it stripped down to its bare bones in a beautiful way. So now Leilani Kai um, was booked from Hawaii at this point in her career. Um, she had doing going back and doing my research. She had wrestled with the NWA previously. Um, and she also went back to NWA, I believe at one point after she had left WWE. Um, but at this time she was, um, built from Hawaii and you can see her clothes and everything because at the time in the eighties, like I mentioned glow and the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, they had these outlandish characters and stuff like that. And I guess this is what she was doing to sort of get herself over to a degree. And I won't say this is really bad, but at the same time, you know, she's a Hawaiian girl in this and she's holding the WWF title around her waist. And her manager at the time was fabulous moolah. And I know that right now, Fabulous Moolah is not seen very favor favorably at all in the wrestling spaces. And I completely understand why, because she was outed as someone who abused her, who abused a number of her students, including black female ones, when it came to them coming to her to learn how to wrestle. And that is absolutely terrible. And we do not condone any abusive behavior on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. But I'm talking about this on the level of her being there and her presence there at WrestleMania because she was Leilani Kai's manager. So I'm only talking about it within the context of history. But I will flat out say that everything that Fabulous Moolah ever did to any woman, I'm so sorry you went through that and none of that is okay. So I'm only talking about her because she was there. And I believe she may have trained Leilani Kai, but I can't exactly confirm that. But yeah, she was there as her manager and they were serving as the heels at that point in time. And the faces were, of course, Wendy Richter with her beautiful face and her amazing hair. <laughs> um, and Cindy Lauper, who is, of course, known as the 80s, the quintessential 80s rock star at that or pop star at that time. And that of course in that picture you have Mean Gene Okerlund who was the voice of you know the press in various forms of wrestling not just in WWE but also in WCW and he's someone that I definitely miss when it comes to wrestling like I really miss him because his voice is undeniable like every contribution he had ever made in wrestling is just so real and when he passed away I, my heart was so broken I love Mean Gene 
Um, but yeah, this was them backstage and he was doing an interview with the girls. And at this time, there was this storyline where Wendy Richter was the WWF women's champion and she got cheated out of the opportunity. You know, she got cheated um, in an opportunity in a previous match against Leilani Kai. And that's how she had lost the title and she wanted it back. So in this promo, they were both talking about how much they really, how much she really wanted the title back and how Moolah was a part of it and how she um, helped Leilani Kai kind of just, you know, cheat a little bit in order to get the title and how she just didn't like that. And so WrestleMania was the time for her to get it back. And Cindy Lauper was talking about how she was on Wendy Richter's side because Captain Lou Albano, um, who actually was featured in one of Cindy Lauper's music videos for Girls Just Want to Have Fun, um, her and him were really close friends. And he had basically been teaching her how to be a wrestling manager. And she chose to manage one of the best in women's wrestling at that time. And that was Wendy Richter in her eyes. And she really did believe in her athletic ability. So this was really cool to see Cindy Lauper in this light because I think she is one of my favorite 80s artists. Like if you go back and listen to like older music, if you're that type of person like me who likes to go back and listen to older music sometimes, her voice might not may not have actually been the best best but what she did in music for that time was still pretty cool and it fit the entire vibe of the 80s and the carefree nature of it all and the fun of it all my favorite song from her isn't exactly girls just want to have fun it's actually true colors i love that song um it's just a beautifully orchestra like a beautifully orchestrated song with this instrumentation and her singing about true colors and stuff is just amazing. But then my second favorite is also time after time. So I love Cindy Lauper and just seeing her being a part of wrestling in this way was just really cool to go back and watch it. So I do recommend going back and watching, you know, her and reading up reading more about her. And her participating in wrestling and wanting to be a part of it. Like, it's just really cool. Like, she really did push forward the rock and wrestling era at that time. And sort of set the stage for a person like Bad Bunny to host a backlash or be a part of a WrestleMania and stuff like that. And open the doors for people like Raven Simone to be at a WrestleMania or Kim Kardashian to be at a WrestleMania. Like, she kind of helped kick that off. So, congratulations. I love you, Cindy. You're amazing. And you definitely deserve all these awards. And you are absolutely brave for dyeing your hair these crazy colors. <laughs> I love color hair. So I just, oh, it's it's just a vibe. So yeah, this is her and Captain Lou Albano. And I did mention about them and their friendship and how he played her dad in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun music video. And he was basically teaching her everything about being a manager because he was a famous manager back in the day. Um but then also was a wrestler too. And I believe sadly he has passed on, but either way we thank him for his contributions in helping Cindy be the best manager she could be in this match. Now, moving forward with the rest of what was going on at that time at WrestleMania one in 1985, the commentary team was Jesse, the body Ventura and gorilla monsoon, who are both hall of famers in the WWE at this point. Um, you cannot deny Jesse the Body Ventura's voice anywhere. Like when he was not a wrestler and he was doing commentary stuff, like if you were to go back and listen or watch a lot of the older things that 
WWE and WWF had at the time. Like, there's something classic about his voice and Gorilla Monsoon's voice together. And also Gorilla Monsoon's voice and Bobby Heenan's voice, too. Like, they just sort of set the tone for how wrestling was back then. And their voices were so clear and so intense with how they were talking about what was going on and how they put over the story. And I just love listening to them commentate while I was watching this match. Like, it was just really good. Like, I really wish Gorilla Monsoon and, by extension, Bobby Heenan were still here so they could get more flowers on who they were, you know, in terms of their work as, as commentators, you know, and their partnership. And also, but Jesse the Body Ventura is still here. And of course, you know, he's gone on to be a politician and stuff like that. But either way, they really did set the precedent for this, um, for this WrestleMania. And what I will say is this, though, Jesse the Body Ventura had such an amazing quote in this um, WrestleMania. He said, Woodstock was to rock and roll what WrestleMania is to wrestling today. And truer words have never been spoken. Except now you think about Coachella and Coachella is basically what to music is, what WrestleMania is to wrestling now. And I thought that was a killer call. So shout out to Jesse the Body Ventura for being an amazing color commentator. Like that was an amazing call. And I feel like that call should basically live on forever in infamy. Like that was fire. Um, big ups to him. So you also had Alf Lord Alfred Hayes, who I really didn't know that much about, of course. Um, he was doing interviews with people backstage and stuff like that. But I don't know if you can see the red mark. If you're watching live, you can see the red mark on his face in that picture. But that was when Leilani Kai actually came by and gave him a kiss <laughs> um, while she was headed to prepare for her entrance in the ring. And he was basically giving he gave an interview or at least he wanted to give an interview to him, to um, her and um, the fabulous Moolah, but didn't get a chance because they basically walked away from him because they just kissed him. But he was also, you know, a really amazing wrestler and backstage interviewer and stuff like that. And he has passed on as well. But I do want to give him his flowers as well because he seemed pretty cool and colorful. So, yeah, big ups to Lord Alfred Hayes. Um, he was somebody I hadn't really heard that much about before. So big ups to him and, you know, him selling the idea that he just got kissed in the face. <laughs> that was funny. So moving forward into more of the action of this um, match, getting to Leilani Kai versus Wendy Richter. Um, this was an amazing match. Like, I know that a lot of women's wrestling from the 80s isn't really given a whole, whole, whole lot of credit in the wrestling fandom. But I really feel like for a match like this to have been in the 80s where people really didn't give it that much credit, these ladies did a phenomenal job, okay? Like, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I didn't just love it just because I love women's wrestling and I'm biased. I loved it because of their athleticism that they were given. Like, towards the beginning of the match, these women were really giving it to each other with their submission work, with their arms and everything. Like you had Leilani Kai who kind of just started off at the beginning trying to break um, Wendy Richter's right arm. Like she went right to work on it as soon as the bell rang. And I was just like, God dang, okay, come on. But then there was also another moment where you saw the strength of Wendy Richter sort of lifting up Leilani Kai on her shoulders 
and rolling her over, you know, and with a slam. And I was just like, okay, like Wendy Richter was really strong. And they said on commentary that she could actually lift up to 200 pounds at that time. And I thought that was really interesting because that's sort of like around the things that they say about Bianca Belair now and how she can lift close to 400 pounds. But back then, they really were putting these women over on commentary and not just talking about them, you know, in a way that didn't do them a good service at all. Like, they were really giving them their respect. Um, And I thought that was really interesting. And towards, like, right around the beginning of the match, as you can see here, like, she really did, like, work her all the way down like, to the mat. And it was crazy. And oh, in the comments, we got wrestling around, what's up? What's up? Been waiting for this. Thank you. Um, This was the co-main event, too. Yes, it was. It was the co-main event. Um, But yeah, thank you for watching. Like, they were really working on each other throughout the match. And like I said, they were stronger than they um put for it. But then, like, there was one moment where Leilani Kai even like countered with a snapmare with a handful of Wendy Richter's hair. That's something that she kept doing that the referee really didn't call that much on. Like she kept pulling on Wendy's hair. And it's just like I was wondering, but at the same time, I understand hair was big back then because that was the 80s. But I'm just wondering how is it that the referee just didn't, you know, disqualify her for that, for keeping doing it throughout the whole match, just grabbing it, grabbing it over and over again. She even stepped on her hair and I was like, come on now, stop. Um, And she was hitting her with hard elbows and everything like Leilani Kai was really giving it to her. Like she really didn't need moolah to cheat for her. So I don't even know why in the world she even did that. But whatever. Um. Then Moolah got involved on her behalf and started grabbing Wendy's hair when she got caught up in the ropes. And I'm just like, Moolah, you're doing too much. Sit down. Stop. Ugh. But whatever. Um, and then um, Leilani Kai actually hit a double knee lift in the ring corner, which I thought was really impressive. And it was just a lot of amazing stuff going on. But what got this got me together even more about this match was the fact that um Wendy Richter um used the momentum that Leilani Kai used to jump off of the top rope um for a splash and then as she jumped over the top rope she grabbed her and covered her up for the one two three and Wendy Richter won her title back and covered her up for the win. And I thought that was really interesting. So that was a really smart way to win that match, especially considering there was always so much Wendy really could do because she was working on her arm so bad and beating her up and, and just trying to break her arm at this point too. But she was powering out and they were doing all types of submissions and everything. And I was just like, this match is really good. How come no one talks about this even more? Like, I understand that it gets kind of lost within the rock and wrestling of it all and the um, Cindy Lauper of it all and stuff like that and the celebrity of it. But this match really did, really was good. Like, a lot of Wendy Richter's offense reminded me a whole lot of Becky Lynch for some reason. And I'll talk about that a, a little bit later. But I really don't have a whole lot of pictures of this match because, like I said, this was in 1985 and there was only so many pictures you could find. It's not like today where they have people on staff to just click pictures everywhere all the time and stuff like that. But either way, you kind of get the gist of it. And here in this picture, you have Wendy Richter tying up Leilani Kai with like with like a triangle hold with her like 
legs around her abdomen. Like this was the kind of stuff they was doing in 1985. 1985 guys like this is just amazing i feel like i keep saying that year this this is this is what they were doing back then it's crazy so as we fast forward towards the end like i said wendy richter won her title back and something that i noticed about the title immediately and me and my dad talked about this because he you know witnessed this as well was the fact that the title belt was really small back then it was really small it looks almost akin to the titles that you can find at Walmart in a store, like they're just that you can buy for a child if you don't buy them like the real thing. It looked almost like that. But either way, it was still prestigious because they were just flinging it around like it was nothing. And I was just like, bro, why are y'all just flinging this belt around like this? But it's really small. And I'm just like, dang, wow, we really come up in the world <laughs> um, in comparison to like smaller titles. Like I, it's just me. I just like bigger titles like. I own the Raw Women's title, the SmackDown Women's title, and the NXT UK Women's title. It's my goal to own every women's title that's ever existed before I die. So to see this one being as small as it is just kind of blows my mind. But I'll still probably find a way to get that one, too. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but to see them celebrate their win and to see Cindy Lauper running around the ring with her, in such a triumphant move. It's just really amazing. Like these women really celebrated with each other. It was cool. But what's so funny is after she won, um, Leilani Kai and the fabulous Moolah attacked Wendy Richter from behind and made it seem like she couldn't celebrate her win or whatever, because they always show the clip of them dancing around the ring, but don't really show what happened afterward. They attacked her from behind and then Cindy Lauper threw Fabulous Moolah like out of the ring. Um, and they just started fighting with each other after it was all over with. And they continued to celebrate and even had an interview backstage after it was all over. And they talked and Cindy Lauper just put Wendy Richter over, over and over again. She just kept talking about how happy she was that she won and how she really believed in her athletic ability um, and how that was just going to outdo Leilani Kai every time. And it was just really cool to see Cindy Lauper really, you know, be on Wendy's side in that way. So this was an amazing watch you know, for the start of the Women in WrestleMania series for the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. It was really cool. And both women did a phenomenal job. Like, literally, they did such a good job. So I do recommend that if you have never watched this match before, um, if you're looking for women's content of the past WrestleManias to watch, I do recommend that you go back and watch this one. Because this was the first women's match at a wrestlemania period and like um wrestling round said i believe this is brian h on here saying that this was the co-main event and it's really crazy when you think about it because this set the stage for a match like mercedes monet versus bailey to co-main event in nxc takeover in brooklyn like this set the stage for women to get to the point to where they could almost main event like Mercedes versus Becky versus Charlotte at that WrestleMania in Texas in 2016. Like this match set the stage even for the the main women's main event with Becky, Charlotte and Ronda and even for Mercedes and Bianca. Like this match did that. So if you haven't watched this match, I please recommend that you do whether you're whether you want to reminisce about the 80s 
if you were a part of that, or if you're just like me, who's never really, you know, who hardly if ever watches older stuff like that. But when she does, it's like she does enjoy it, though. Like, if you want to watch stuff like that, please do. I do recommend that you go back and watch it because it was really good. And it wasn't just, you know, the flimsy stuff that they try to poo-poo it off as. Like, this was really good stuff here. Um, For history's sake, for Women's History Month and wrestling and women in WrestleMania, please watch this match. It is really good. Now, of course, if you fast forward to the future... Wendy Richter, um, who started in NWA, and then she even had a tag team with Joyce Grable, who I actually had the honor and privilege of meeting at the first Belladonna Division event Genesis here in Alabama. Like, they were tag team champions twice, and Wendy Richter was a two-time WWF Women's Champion, and then she left the WWE in some controversial fashion. Um, I don't really want to speak to that right now because I'm just sort of uplifting her name right now. But if you fast forward in 2010, they inducted her into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, and she had a really nice speech where she kept referencing Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. Um, and then the last time we saw her on WWE television, she was on the June 16th, 2012 episode of Monday Night Raw as they were building up towards Raw 1000 and sort of pulling people from the past to come on different episodes leading up to that. And she was standing with, um, I believe it was Layla, who was the Divas champion at the time, and um, Cindy Lauper, who they gave a plaque to that night as well. So this was really great. It was great to see them. And then this was also during the time of which, of course, Roddy Piper was alive too. And they um, were having a beef with Heath Slater because Heath kept coming out and dissing the OGs each and every week leading up to Raw 1000 as well. And he kept getting either beat up or disrespected by these OGs every time because he was just being mad disrespectful to them. So that was the last time um, Wendy Richter was on WWE television. So yeah, and that was like 11 years ago. That's so crazy to think about. But yeah, Wendy Richter, I imagine, is doing well for herself and doing fine. And Leilani Kai is actually set to make an appearance at 80s Wrestling Con, um, which I believe is taking place in New Jersey. So if you are going to that and if you're into 80s wrestling, you can go to that 80s Wrestling Con and maybe meet her and get an autograph and stuff like that. So she does make appearances and she is on Twitter um, at Real Leilani Kai. So if you want to find her, you can. But to bring up the Becky Lynch situation, I'm wondering how an in her prime and young Wendy Richter would go up against a Becky Lynch now. And I know this is an old picture of her um, from she went from when she was the last kicker and not the man. But I just got to say this, like. If Becky and Wendy Richter in her prime had a match now, I feel like that would have been sick. That would have been really sick because the type of moves that Wendy Richter was doing in terms of submission work and also with her heavy lifting and her hard kicks and everything, I'm just like, it just kept reminding me a lot of Becky. And I'm just like, bruh, Becky should hit a diamond dust on Wendy Richter and Wendy Richter should find a way to like reverse it if she was younger. Like, how do you think Wendy Richter would pose up against a Becky Lynch? like or a charlotte flair like i feel like that would have been amazing so yeah 
that's just my fantasy booking type of deal. But I know it can't happen, of course, because they're generations apart. But they just reminded me a lot of each other. So that's the end of this Women in WrestleMania segment. Now, of course, in the next coming weeks, as I do episodes on here, I will be talking more about matches. So if you follow me on social media, please be on the lookout for any announcements I make for whatever match I'm going to watch um, and detail and talk about a whole lot more. So I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will continue to enjoy it and celebrate Women's History Month as we continue to go along towards the road to WrestleMania. So yeah, this was a really fun watch, and like I said, I do recommend that you do go back and watch Wendy Richter versus Leilani Kai at WrestleMania 1, 1985. So yeah, that was fun. So Let's go into what Stephanie liked in wrestling this week. And it was a lot going on in wrestling this week, guys. Oh, my God. So we got to start, of course, with the women on Monday Night Raw. And she wasn't on there, sadly. But, yeah, Bianca Belair versus Carmella was a pretty good match. Um, These two have fought multiple times. Um, a lot of people on Twitter were basically saying that these two are the real soulmates and stuff like that. And even one person was as unkind as to say that Carmella was Bianca's punching bag. And I was just like, God dang, y'all rude. But these two had a pretty okay match. But then the X factor of it all was the fact that Chelsea Green was out there because her and Carmella have this sort of understanding that they feel like, oh, well, the world belongs to us and we should, you know, just take over and everything and just make people give us what they want or whatever. But of course, Carmella did get beat um, by Bianca Belair because she's that girl and she's the Raw Women's Champion. And Oscar did come out afterward after Carmella and Chelsea started jumping on Bianca and beating up on her. But then she ran to her defense and actually spit the green mist in Chelsea Green's face. <laughs> you get it green miss in her in chelsea green's face haha <laughs> i'm corny but either way she spit it in her face and she was having a whole meltdown about it and carmella was trying to get her to calm down but i guess you really can't calm down because once that stuff is in your eyes i heard that it really burns really bad so that was something that i did like in wrestling this week but something that i also noticed is that while carmella was in the ring wrestling bianca Corey Graves, who is on color commentary every week on Monday Night Raw with Kevin Patrick, wasn't doing his usual crazy I love my wife type of thing. Because usually whenever Carmella's in the ring, he sort of loses his mind and he's just like, oh my gosh, she's the most beautiful woman. You need to shut up and actually give her her props. And she's awesome. She's hot. She's amazing. And blah, 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 blah. You know, all the stuff you say when you're in love, right? But this week, he didn't do that. He was very quiet, and I thought that was that almost took away from the match um, and from the experience a bit. And I understand people have their feelings about Corey Graves, and they feel like, you know, he, you know, does too much a lot of the time. But I almost felt like it was like a point of entertainment for me to hear him put over his wife in that way. Like, it's hilarious to me how he does that. I guess because I'm just a person who loves lovey-dovey stuff that it was just missing for me. And I was just like, I don't like this at all. It, it, it felt weird to me. But I know a lot of people were actually okay with it. And they were just like, oh, he quiet. And they were just okay. But yeah, um, 
Brian saying, haha, you right, he definitely wasn't. He really wasn't. And it was it was just a missing element to it to me. And I didn't like that. I was just like, are you gonna say anything nice about your wife? Cause yo, say something. Like it was just really awkward. I didn't like it. But yeah, that's basically what I liked about that. But then I'm also wondering with WrestleMania on the horizon and Bianca Belair fighting Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. A lot of people are talking about how they feel that this match um, has had a lack of build. They're feeling like when it comes to the traditional rivalry component of it, there really isn't anything that they've done in terms of, you know, connection-wise or in terms of them beefing-wise that has really happened. And they're wondering what's going on. And then they also feel like there's something missing and that there should be something a little bit hotter in terms of Rhea and Charlotte, which I will get into a little bit later. Um, and I have noticed that really Bianca and Asuka have really been doing something. They've really just been staring at each other and pointing at the WrestleMania sign and stuff like that. But my thing is, my thing is maybe if Asuka is going to be healed, then maybe she should be healed. But then at the same time, I'm kind of just trying to wait and see and not just outright call the bill for it bad because there are some people who really feel like this WrestleMania might be a womp and I'm just like y'all need to be quiet and stop being negative guys like like this WrestleMania has the capacity to be really good it's just not it's just different because creatively this is Triple H's first time really you know having the reins when it comes to a WrestleMania in comparison to Vince McMahon sort of having it all. And he's just kind of, you know, doing something different. So maybe we should just sort of wait and see what's going to happen. But I'm not going to outright say like, oh, the build to this is bad because we still have a couple of weeks, you know, away. So yeah, in the comments, um, Brian's going crazy. He says, I see what you're saying, but I like it. It feels, if felt like the it played into the fact that he was scared for her yeah for Carmella yeah I get it he's also said wait I'm actually thinking about her match with Asuka yeah um I like it I think it's the beginning of a new chapter that will happen after Mania Asuka is going to force Bianca to go to another level I agree with that I really agree with that she like she just might make her go to another level and she just and the thing that I feel like Bianca is also fighting for is also the ability to remain Mrs. WrestleMania. Because if you really think about it in her first two times at WrestleMania, she has been undefeated. She beat Mercedes Monet for the SmackDown women's title. She beat, beat, she beat Becky Lynch for um, the raw women's title. And she's held that title ever since. And now you have a full circle moment where she's fighting Oscar who is gunning to sort of, be larger than life like she used to be in terms of her undefeatedness and also with more of a mystique that she had I guess in Japan when she was you know undeniably hard to beat and when you think about her at Wrestlemania I just can't help but think about how she was undefeated up until she ran up on Charlotte and Charlotte was booked to be her and that really kind of took away from her mystique a lot and even though she had accomplished a lot, even after that point, it's still the idea that Asuka, you know, didn't, her mystique just wasn't the same after that. And there was something that was taken away there. So it is going to be something interesting to see, but I just don't want to outright call the bill bad. Like, I don't want to do that. 
Yeah. Imagine if both win their matches and next year we get Bianca versus Charlotte, both of whom will be undefeated in singles matches at WrestleMania. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be really interesting. But yeah, I don't want to call the build bad, like I said. So Bianca and Asuka will be facing each other at WrestleMania, and I'm excited to see that in person. Um, and of course, you're probably excited to watch it. So moving forward with more things that I liked in wrestling this week. Um, I loved watching Lita and Becky Lynch, you know, celebrate being tag team champions alongside Trish Stratus, who proved to be the X factor in that. And they were, of course, trying to celebrate, but the damage control popped up and tried to ruin everything and make it seem like they're not worthy and all this other stuff. And y'all just need to, you know, bow down because we're in charge, blah, 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 blah. But Trish Stratus wasn't having it. She was just like, look, ba look, Bailey. Since you won't shut your mouth, I told you months ago, if I need to come out of retirement, I will. And that's exactly what she's doing because now we officially have this six-woman tag team match between Team Becky OG and Damage Control. And I am here for it, okay? Because the more women's matches at WrestleMania, the better, okay? And I'm never going to talk bad <laughs> on Trish and Lita being in the ring again, like ever, because I love them on a personal level because they encouraged me when they didn't have to. And I appreciate them forever for that. Um, and the idea that you get this dream match with someone like Bailey, who was inspired by the likes of Lita and Trish, you know, and then you also think about Dakota Kai and where she was just this time last year. And now here she is about to fight in a WrestleMania match with Io Sky, who is a legend in Japan too, which a lot of people I think tend to forget a little bit. It's like a lot of people have a tendency to call her a, a new girl or whatever. And yeah, she's new in terms of being on the main roster, but she's not new when it comes to wrestling by any means. Um, and she's not new, like, because of course she came from NXT, but before she was in NXT, she was that girl in Japan. And I feel like a lot of people either don't know that, especially if they're casual fans or they just forget it. And I'm just like, no, she's not just some new girl. Like she really was amazing in japan and then she brought that over to nxt and then she was an nxt champion um and i believe she was a tag champion if i'm not mistaken maybe i might be having a mind blip but either way you know she was that girl and i need people to put more respect on io shirai's name then you got bailey who's just bailey all the time so i'm really excited about this match and like i said the more women's matches you have on wrestlemania the better um and the idea that Lita and Trish gets in on some of this action when once upon a time they might not have, um, it's just really great for history's sake. I love it. Um, because I remember the first time I went to a WrestleMania, at WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta that everybody hates, I saw Trish fight, you know, in here again, a six-person tag team match when she was tagging with Snooki from Jersey Shore. And John Morrison, who was rumored to not want her on the team at the time, but that's a whole nother conversation, when they fought against Lay Cool and Dolph Ziggler. Like, I remember that fully. And it's just, and even at that WrestleMania, the title at the time, the Divas Championship, wasn't even defended, which is something that I will get into on a later date. But yeah, to fast forward and go from that to this, it's just absolutely amazing. Like, seriously, I love it. Like, I love it to death. And women's wrestling is amazing. And I'm happy that Becky gets to have this moment. So, yeah, it's great. Also, another thing I liked in wrestling this week was 
seeing the premiere of the Miz and Maurice doing their Top Gun parody <laughs> for the WrestleMania commercials, like they were just real. They're amazing together. I just love watching them be coupled up and do silly stuff like this because I just feel like this is where you see more of their fun and silly dynamic as a couple. And I love it. And then growing up watching, seeing movies like Top Gun with my dad, because he really loves Top Gun and he loved going to see the second one as well, because that was one of the most popular movies last year. And seeing them do it and get ready to low-key fly planes and stuff with that weird version of Danger Zone <laughs> was just really funny. And since The Miz is hosting WrestleMania, it just makes sense because he is sort of like the most... Well, one of the most experienced actors who's also still active in wrestling to this day. So big ups to the Miz and Maurice for this commercial. And just Maurice just continues to look amazing after being a mother and stuff. She's just so beautiful. I can't. I love this commercial. So it was cool. Another thing I liked on Monday Night Raw was the interaction between Austin Theory, the United States champion, and John Cena. Now, this episode of Raw emanated from Boston, Massachusetts, which is John Cena's hometown, specifically West Newberry. Shout out to y'all. Um, this promo took place after John Cena, you know, made his entrance and wanted to cry. Um, and him and Stu had their little interaction with the cameraman. It's literally one of the most wholesome relationships in all of wrestling. John Cena and the cameraman Stu. Um, he ran to the ring and wanted to address the people, right? And so he gets interrupted by Austin Theory, who admits that, excuse me, I keep burping, John Cena was someone that he looked up to a lot of the time, somebody that he loved in wrestling, someone who he sort of patterned himself after. But he was basically telling him, you know, that, you know, he's the now and that, you know, this is his time. But John Cena, though, he forgot I guess Austin Theory, you know, in his bravado, forgot who he was messing with because Mr. Sir decided to get him together on the microphone and was like, first of all, you ain't got it like you think you got it. Um, <laughs> That's not what he said. But he basically said, like, you really ain't got it like you think you got it because in theory, people should be coming to see you because you run fast, you work hard, you got the look and all this other stuff. Basically, you have what, you have, like, the image of what it takes to be a superstar but you just aren't because people are not coming to see you in droves you are not the big kahuna you're not the star you know that john cena once was like a lot of people really did come to see john cena you know in his heyday when he was a consistent wrestler everybody isn't coming to see austin theory like that because i kid you not when i bought my tickets when I bought the tickets to see Raw in Birmingham, I wasn't coming to see him. I was coming to see Bianca. <laughs> I bought my tickets to see Bianca. And Bianca wasn't even on that show that time because Alexa Bliss attacked her with all that darkness crap or whatever. But either way, like, I bought my tickets for Bianca. I didn't buy my tickets for Austin Theory. So John Cena was definitely right there. Um, but he told him, like, if you want to fight me at WrestleMania, you have to understand that if you beat me, it could end you. But then if you don't beat me, that could definitely end you too. And I was just like, oh my God. So are they going to fight for the United States Championship? Like, or are they just going to fight in a non-title bout at WrestleMania? Like, what is this going to be? Because if John Cena wins that title, 
like he could carry that like on red carpets with him and everything which is almost basically the same thing the rock did when he won the title off of cm punk back in the day but at the same time would that do a service to it would he be here on a regular basis can he be here on a regular basis i don't know but either way this interaction between these two was fire i enjoyed every inch of it john cena roasted him and basically told him that his balls weren't big enough. And it was just lit. It was lit. I loved it. And then another thing that happened on Raw that I really enjoyed and liked was the fact that Cody Rhodes and John Cena had this interaction where John Cena raised his hand and they hugged. And that's an interaction that I did not think that I would ever see in wrestling ever. Because I just can't help but think about that one interview that Cody Rhodes had where he was talking about how John Cena was the guy on whose face was on the truck. And it was the likes of John Cena and The Rock, I think. And he was really frustrated with it. And he threw a drink at the truck and he was venting to Brandy, his wife at the time, about that and, and wondering what he would have to do to get to that place. And to see these two hug it out on national television was just like, whoa, this is interesting. This is very interesting, but I like it though, because now they've grown to a point to where they're not in competition with each other. They're collaborating with each other and they respect each other. And I liked it. I liked that with Cody Rose returning to WWE, he's mending relationships. I'm not sure if they ever beefed at any point. I'm pretty sure they did it, but it's just like, if there was a relationship to be mended, you know, they hugged each other back and it was just nice to see. It was very wholesome and I liked it. So big ups to these two for loving on each other on television. Loved it. And then we get to hear Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. This episode of The Bold and the Bloodline, y'all. Jay Uso be putting us through it. He needs to be, and I feel like I say this every time I have a chance, but he needs to be nominated for Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor at the Emmys because at the primetime Emmys, because the way this man be serving acting every single week is just too much for me. It's too much for me. And I know people always say, oh, well, y'all keep saying that and da 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 is winding down and blah. I don't care. Okay. The performance that this man gave where he made us think he was finna betray his brother only to then walk away from his brother and then hug Sammy and then do the ones with Sammy only to kick him in his face and tell him this is family-ish. What made you think I was going to choose you and then throw him back in the ring and beat up on him? The drama. The drama, Jesus. The drama. I'm living for it. I'm living for it and I love it. And then Cody came to his defense and it's just a lot going on. And I know some people feel like Cody shouldn't be inserting himself into this drama, but at the same time, it makes sense considering Cody is fighting the big dog Roman. Oh God, I haven't called him that in a while. Um, the big dog Roman Reigns of the bloodline. You know, it makes sense to me, but ultimately I feel like it's just going to be more of a mess and I just cannot wait to go on this ride some more. Like it's going to be lit. Like I cannot wait, but Jay Uso deserves all of his flowers for giving us the 
possibly one of the greatest supporting performances in all of primetime television that's not specific primetime television. Like, he, he just deserves his flowers. Like, him and his brother both, but definitely Jay. He's main event Jay for a reason, and he's proven that every single time. So, yeah, it's great. It's really great. So, I also have to talk about how on wrestling, I enjoyed the fact that Logan Paul and Seth Rollins were finally able to have their encounter. But I hated that Logan Paul actually got the best of him and he kicked him. I was just like, God dang it. Come on, Seth. You came out there dressed up like a candy cane and you let him do you like that. Fine. But at least they get to fight at WrestleMania. So it was cool. But I was expecting Seth to really grill him a lot further than he did in his promo. But we'll just see what happens with that. So moving forward into NXT territory and what I liked in wrestling this week, I'm really loving Tiffany Stratton's Tiffany Epiphanies. And the fact that she rhymed Tiffany with the word Epiphany and made it her thing is just really funny. But seeing as this was um, NXT Roadblock, um, which was headed to Stand and Deliver, which will be taking place the weekend of WrestleMania, she said she basically has her eyes on whoever wins the women's title match that Mako, Satamura, and Roxanne Perez had. And she said that basically she's next up and she is incredibly talented and she has gotten better in the ring, but I almost feel like maybe it's a little bit too soon for her. Um, maybe it's just a me thing, but I feel like it's a little bit too soon for Tiffany to be in title contention. Cause I feel like with the way that Roxanne is operating right now, even though she's, you know, injured at this point or just out at this point, I feel like with the way that Roxanne is operating, I just don't see Tiffany beating her. And that's not to throw any shade on her because Tiffany really is talented. But I just don't think now is her time. But, you know, any heel has to de- believe in himself, right? So, yeah, I I like Tiffany's confidence, but I'm just not sure if she's ready yet. Another thing I liked in wrestling this week is this storyline between the NXT, one half of the NXT women's tag team champions, Kiana James, and her love story with with Brooks Jensen, and how, you know, she has these roses on her desk, and there's a possibility that she could very well possibly be cheating on him, and there's the possibility that Fallon Henley might have a thing for Brooks Jensen, but just doesn't want to say it, um, and it's really weird, because I liked the... I mean, it was a little bit weird for me at first for the love story to happen between Kiana and Brooks, considering Kiana was trying to buy the bar owned by Fallon Hilly's family, and then they had to fight for the ownership of it, and then Fallon wound up winning. So for them to be friends and then to wind up being tag team champions is just a little bit awkward, but at the same time, I still love it too. Um, That's fine. And then, but then Kiana also cheated too. So it was also that, underpinning of tension there between them and I feel like it's only going to get worse once Kiana realizes that Fallon might have feelings for Brooks and she has feelings for Brooks as we can see but then there's also the idea that they're wondering if she's cheating on him so it's really weird but I do think that this is a good story but from a feminist standpoint I almost don't want them to break up over a guy because y'all are tag team champions and if y'all are supposed to defend these titles y'all need to be on one accord and y'all can't be on one accord if y'all fighting over a man 
but whatever. <laughs> I, I like it. And I also loved Gigi Dolan winning her match against JC Jane. Even though she didn't get to celebrate it, my wife won this match and I'm so happy for her. Um, and I love the story that she was telling, you know, how she was beaten and bludgeoned by her mother who basically didn't see her as worthy and it's just she wanted to create a better life for her and her brother and I love that story and that sense of realness from Gigi because for a long time when we did see Gigi she was always with toxic attraction and she was being sort of like the mean girl who kind of had like a different sort of style in comparison to JC and Mandy Rose um and she is really talented in the ring and I'm really happy to see her you know on this upward trajectory of winning and I can't wait to see what her and JC do next because their feud is not over by any means. So I'm really pumped about that. I really am. So moving forward um, with more of what I liked in wrestling, we have to talk about Roxanne versus Mako. This match was very hard hitting and very physical. And it was amazing. But I'm scared for Roxanne because she passed out. <laughs> And I was just like, girl, no, please, no. The way she passed out was so scary. I was just like, girl, are you okay? Like, why are you, why? And then on top of that, it was just like, they had wrestled such a grueling match. And I was just like, okay, okay, okay. And they were taking me through it at first. But Roxanne really did power out and get the win there. Um, in a sense, by outsmarting Mako. But, and Mako respected her for it. But when Roxanne passed out, I was just like, oh, my God, girl. I was scared, and I thought it was real low-key, but she really tired herself out with it. But I am happy that they immediately took her to the hospital. And then you also saw Booker, who cares about her so much as her you know, former teacher, run in the ring and check on her with all the referees and everything and then they carted her out so I'm hoping Roxanne is okay but a lot of people on social media were saying that this patterns how um Shawn Michaels passed out after his Iron Man match with Bret Hart um and I'm not saying that that's not true but it just felt really real to me so it it oof it, it I was really into it but Here's hoping that Roxanne is okay and that she is, you know, she will be in action at Stand and Deliver. So that's cool. I mean, it's not cool that she passed out, but she's okay. I hope she's okay. Now, we got to get to this. Grayson Waller, <laughs> on the Grayson Waller effect, wanted to act like he was going to get Shawn Michaels together and make it seem like Shawn Michaels was victimizing him. And not having him on top after he lost his match against Braun Breaker for the NXT title. And he was all like, I should be on top and you keep holding me back and blah, 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 blah. And he kept comparing himself to him. And he actually went too far. Grayson Waller went absolutely too far when he decided to diss Shawn Michaels by saying that the only reason Shawn Michaels has a job was because your best friend had a heart attack. And I said, okay, the gloves got to come off now. Shawn Michaels, I know you're saved and you're sanctified, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to need for you to go in. <laughs> I'm going to need for you to go in on Grayson Waller because you ain't going to sit here and disrespect Triple H like that, okay? Because Triple H was in charge of NXT at one point, 
and he's ahead of all the creative now. But it's just like for you to say that the only reason Shawn Michaels has this job was because his friend had a heart attack, which is so terrible. I was just like, that is in such poor taste. How dare you? But Shawn Michaels got him right together. And he said, look, if I wanted to come out of retirement and kick your ass, I will. Okay, I would. Because that truck has been backed up into my front door so many times the Brinks people know my name by heart. And I was just like, God dang, like you ain't finna do him. You ain't finna do Uncle Sean, okay? But then he said, I'm not coming out of retirement because I'm happy with where I'm at and we're the family that we're supposed to be. NXT. We are all NXT. And considering you want to fight me, I'm not finna fight you, but I'm gonna send somebody who is NXT and willing to fight you. And guess who it was? Johnny Gargano, I was happy to see him back at NXT because for some reason, a lot of people, um, really, a lot of people in the wrestling fandom feel like him on the main roster isn't necessarily working as well. So they feel like him on NXT just works a little bit better. So maybe, I don't know if he's going to just stay there, but he is going to be on NXT next week. So I am excited about that. And I am excited that he does get to fight Grayson Waller on Shawn Michaels' behalf. Because if you may or may not remember, when NXT was going through its 2.0 phase, when Johnny Gargano was getting ready to leave NXT and WWE altogether, it was Grayson Waller who hit him in the back with a chair and started this beef in the first place. So this is a nice full circle storytelling moment that I appreciated. And just the idea that Johnny, who really is the backbone and the heartbeat, as they used to, as Mara Ronaldo used to say, of NXT, really makes all the sense in the world. I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to see them tear it up. And I can't wait to see Johnny Gargano beat the ever-loving crap out of Grayson Waller. Because Grayson Waller is just a loud mouth, bro. And I'm ready for him to just be shut up. Because him disrespecting Sean like that was just really, really tough to hear. I'm just like, you're not going to do that to Uncle Sean, okay? Stop. But yeah, like I said, this is the image of him hitting Johnny Gargano in the chair when they, when they were in 2.0 land. So... Yeah, and I believe this is when he was giving his final farewell at that. So, yeah, he need to get his lick back. And then we have this. Carmelo, Mellow, Mellow Hayes. Money Mellow. Is now officially challenging Braun Breaker for the NXT title at Stand and Deliver. And I have never been so ready for a thing in all my life. I am so ready for this because it's like I said on a previous episode, Carmelo has what it takes to be that guy. He is him, like he always says. And for him to finally walk up to him and step to him as a man and not even have any beef with him and whatever and just say look i respect you we came in here together let's fight for this title carmelo is ready he is ready and i am so ready for him to win the title off of brian because carmelo is that dude he has proven time and time again inside the ring on the microphone in his segments and all of that that he is that man and now he gets to prove that by winning the nxc title Come on, Carmelo. Do it for us. Do it, do it, do it. Please do it. Oh, Carmelo. Yes. Come through. Now, 
And talking about something that I did love seeing on Impact Wrestling, this is an older picture, um, so forgive me for not getting a current picture of that, but Diana Perrazzo actually did something in a match um, where Mickey James was fighting in said match, and she actually assisted with Mickey James and actually helped her, and I thought that was interesting because these two hated each other for like a long time. And the idea that Diana, who feels like she's, you know, the virtue, who is the virtuosa and probably and is one of the greatest women's wrestlers in, in life at this point, actually helped Mickey after they were beefing with each other for a long, long time is just really interesting. So I did like that as well. So big ups to that. And I can't wait to see how that unfolds or if it'll last because. Mickey is the knockouts um, champion at this point. So I'm wondering, is she doing this to get closer to her so she can get another chance at the title? Or is she just doing this out of turning face? Who knows? So moving into the SmackDown side of the street, I love this promo between Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Because something that I've been questioning a lot of is the fact that is Rhea Ripley really engaged and is she really ready to take on charlotte because if you've been watching the product here lately miss ma'am has had her card full with being miss gangster girl with the judgment day as well as having her beef with charlotte for the smackdown women's title and in my mind i was upset about that because i'm just like because there was a long period of time where Rhea was not getting into Charlotte's orbit after she challenged her for the title after winning a Royal Rumble. And this was irritating me because I was just like, girl, you so focused on what your boyfriend doing, you can't even focus on your own business. And that's making me upset because it's like I said earlier, you never let a man get in the way of your success ever. And I know this isn't real, but I'm just saying from a storyline perspective, you do not let a man get in the way of your success at all. Okay, and yeah, he's doing this and he's and Dominic's antagonizing his daddy or whatever, but he could do that by himself. He doesn't need you for that. You need to lock in and focus on Charlotte, okay? Because you don't want this time at WrestleMania to be like last time at WrestleMania in 2020 when you lost the NXT women's title to her because you thought you was ready and you wasn't. You don't want to get distracted like that. Not this time. You don't want to be embarrassed because I feel like if Charlotte embarrasses you in California in a few weeks, you ain't going to come back from that. Like I need for real to focus. And when it came to this promo, she, I guess, kind of showed that she was focused because she was watching Charlotte fight Shotzi on SmackDown and Charlotte beat her. And she was watching her the whole time. And then she got in the ring and basically said that I'm going to take away the one thing that makes you feel the most important. And that's the SmackDown women's title. And you could argue that that is true because when Charlotte is champion, you know, when she's not champion, it feels weird. Um, even though you're glad they're giving somebody else a chance. But then at the same time, when at the same time, Charlotte just seems like she isn't Charlotte unless she has a title on her around her waist. And that does make her feel like she is the top girl because she's a 14 time champion at this point. And Rhea is right that that is something that makes her feel, you know, the most important. But Charlotte got her right together and told her, like, look. It's not just about the titles. Like I am a I am that girl because I consistently work to get better each and every time I fight. 
okay. And whether anybody likes it or not, I'm going to adapt to my circumstances and beat you at WrestleMania. You know, and then she even told her to hush her mouth, which I thought was really interesting and funny from a face perspective. But I also feel like maybe Charlotte was holding something back because she's really used to being a heel and just saying whatever it is that comes to mind that could very well be mean and cut down her opponent. But she can't do that now because she's a face. But then there is a way that you can be honest and mean to somebody while also still maintaining the fact that you're a face. It can be done because I do it all the time. So <laughs> so hopefully Charlotte will find a way to do that. But either way, I love this promo. And I hope that Rhea really does get locked in and start running around being Miss Gang Girl with everybody else because it's just annoying. And I'm going to need her to lock in and focus and not, you know, be all up in Dominic's face and antagonizing his daddy because it's just annoying. But yeah, and they just annoy me at this point anyway. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, and then speaking of annoying me any some some more, when Rey Mysterio was out there to address the people about his induction into the Hall of Fame and tell us how he felt, the judgment day interrupted that and Dominic led the charge because of course he did. And he was calling him, he basically said that the only Hall of Fame he belongs in is the Deadbeat Dad Hall of Fame. And I was just like, How are you gonna call him a deadbeat dad when literally him being on the road? And him doing wrestling stuff was how he took care of you when you was wearing Louis Vuitton backstage and wearing all this Givenchy and all this other stuff. Baby, sit down. Um, <laughs> like you, It's just so stupid. And it's like, you know your daddy was there for you because it's like I said last night, this man fought for custody of you in a ladder match against his best friend who was claiming you as his son. And then he had the audacity to say that he should have been Eddie's son. And I was just like, you are just crazy as hell. Um, <laughs> you are just crazy as a Bessie bug. I'm tired. Um, and so when they looked like they was for the gang up on right, here comes Legado del Fantasma with Santos Escobar leading the charge saying that he needs to teach him a lesson in respect. And so that led into their match. Um, Friday night and I thought this was cool and I loved that Zelina Vega was out there as well fighting and evening up the odds on the women's half of the game because Rhea really just be out there sometimes like when she be on Raw or when she used to be on Raw a whole lot she would just be ganging up and beating up on these men a whole lot and there was never really a woman out there to even up the odds until it was like Mia Yim at one point but I'm really glad that Zelina Vega was there but even in storyline, you could argue that this makes sense because Santos has a, res a healthy respect for Ray because they had that moment where they exchanged masks with each other. There's another part of me that is almost afraid that they sort of defaulted to lumping all of the Latin people together. Um, and I... That's something that we have discussed on Women's Wrestling Talk before. Like, when it came to an episode of WOW, it's like they lumped Leia Makoa Tiki Chamorro and the Tonga twins all together because they're all, you know, of Polynesian descent. And as beautiful as that unity is, as wonderful as it is to see that level of unity for people of color, it just makes me wonder, like, does wrestling, like, just lump all these people together just because they all have that in common? But at the same time, you have to think about if you are a person of color, if you are black or if you are brown, there are different levels of even brown that you are. 
just because you are all of Hispanic or Latin descent does not mean that you are all from the same place. So it just makes me wonder, like, if that was a form of um, them just lumping them together because they have that in common. But you could argue the fact that by storyline purposes, it does make sense because Santos and, and Ray have that respect. And everywhere Santos goes, Legato del Fantasma is going to go. So there is that. So they did kind of fix it with that, but it just makes me wonder. Um, but yeah, moving forward with more that I liked about wrestling. I loved seeing Xavier Woods step in for Kofi Kingston, who couldn't participate in the fatal five way to determine who was going to be the number one contender for the intercontinental title, which is held by Gunter. Um, I really wanted Xavier to win. Even though I know there's the whole storyline going on between Drew and Sheamus right now and their friendship, you know, at being at odds because Sheamus wants to win the IC title because that's the title he has never won in the entire time he's been in WWE. And Drew has inserted himself into this knowing that Sheamus really wants the title because Drew feels like everything has to be about him when it comes to WrestleMania. It's just kind of, okay, I get that story and I like that storyline. And there's LA and there was LA Knight and Karrion Cross in it. And that was cool because they kept ganging up on everybody. But I really wanted Xavier to win because I want more for Xavier Woods. And I feel that since Kofi is injured and since Big E does not have a timetable as to when he could come back or if he is clear, we really don't know. I want Xavier to have a moment, whether it's at WrestleMania or even afterward, because he is such a good wrestler. Like him hitting his honor roll in that match on Friday was really good. And just every time, you know, he gets in the ring, he really does show out. Like even at the Royal Rumble, when him and Chad Gable had that, you know, Greco-Roman style moment in the middle of the ring. Like we really need to give Xavier Woods his things. And I feel like out of all of the members of the New Day, of course, you've had Biggie, who's been a WWE champion. You've had, you know, Cody, well, not Cody, Kofi Kingston, who's had all of the titles he's ever won. He's basically a Grand Slam champion at this point. It's like Xavier Woods has been king of the ring, but even when he was king of the ring, it wasn't given the reverence that I believe it should be given. And I feel like he should be given an opportunity at a singles title at some point. I mean, it may not necessarily have to be for like the big titles, but I just want him to have a chance at a singles title because he's just been working at this way too long and he's been too good for too long on the microphone and in the ring, you know, for him to just be on the sideline and only having one tag titles and only having one king in the ring. I want more for him, and I really did want him to win the Fatal Five-Way, but, you know, they're doing the whole Drew and Sheamus thing, so I get it. But I want my birthday twin to get more. Give him more things, okay? Because as it stands now, the New Day here again is going to get another short end of the stick at WrestleMania, and I don't want that. Like, do something with Xavier. Do something with him. But, yeah, I loved his performance. And here again, you got Jay showing out his acting skills when he popped up on SmackDown Friday, you know, saying that he wanted to see the tribal chief and talk with him <laughs> because he's mentally out of it, you know, and he wants to, and everything he was going to say, he was going to say in the ring and he gave all of his reasonings, but this worried Paul Heyman low key. Cause Paul Heyman was like, Oh my God, why is he like this? Because usually the Usos are very jovial and stuff, but Jimmy was the only one who was really nice and jovial. Jay was very silent. 
he was like, look, I just, I just want to talk to the tribal chief and that's it. And Roman wasn't there, which was weird because they did advertise him as being there. Um, but you know, car is subject to change. So Jay and his brother went out there later on in the night and cut a promo. And Jay basically said that the reason why he stabbed Sami Zayn in the back and kicked him in the face was because he couldn't leave his brother behind. He basically said, look, if your family is starving, what you going to do? Um, are you going to feed them? Or are you just going to stand by and watch, you know, as they suffer? If you're like, if your family's light bill about to be cut off, what you going to do? You going to pay their light bill. And I'm not going to leave my family. I'm not leaving my brother. And he said he didn't want to do it. But the only reason he's there is because of Jimmy. And it felt like a lot of bravado was being put out there to mask like a lot of desperation for me. It's like, he really did want to get out. Cause he kept saying over and over again, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it, but you know, he did it anyway, you know, because he didn't want to leave his brother behind. And if it's one thing, Jay Uso is never going to leave behind. He's never going to leave Jimmy behind. They are from the womb to the tomb. They are twins. Okay. And they're not going to leave each other behind. He's not going to leave him behind. So there was that. And then, of course, they went on to get jumped by Cody and Sammy after it was all over. But this promo was fire, and I enjoyed it very much. So, um, I did want to talk a little bit about how I like Drew versus Sheamus. But I did mention a little bit about that before, so I'm going to go ahead and skip that. But, yeah, I... That was pretty much all that I liked from SmackDown. But to go into the Rampage side of things on AEW, I love Nyla Rose versus Riho. I love the fact that this match main evented Rampage because I find it very refreshing to see women main eventing Rampage and main eventing Dynamite because it's just a good thing. Um, Because a lot of people were fussing about AEW Revolution only having one match when you have um, Jade Cargill as a TBS champion. And even though she is set to face off against a mystery Canadian opponent next week, a lot of people really were still angry about the fact that she didn't have a match of revolution. And she's also talked about on Twitter how she feels like, you know, the ball is being, um, like she's being fumbled, but then she deleted that tweet. So a part of me is wondering, does Jade really feel like she's being, you know, highlighted on the level that she should be highlighted at this point this woman is undefeated she is a black woman and she is amazing at what she does um for someone who did just start you know a year ago so i feel like she should be highlighted a whole lot more but like i said i did love that nyla rose and riho did you know main event and i love that they told the story of these two women and how they fought over the AEW world's women's tag i mean not tag world women's title at the beginning of AEW um yeah these two women are kind of like the pillars of AEW if you really think about it they are AEW OGs and Riho really impressed me when she did give a um northern light suplex to Nyla Rose and then Nyla Rose had some high flying action when she hit Riho in the head with her with a flying knee so that match was really good and I hated that um Marina Shafir was getting involved but my thing is ma'am you don't have to get involved let them fight but that hip toss that she did hit on Rio when the referee wasn't looking was cool but Riho wound up winning the match but after she won here again she couldn't celebrate because she got attacked but then after she got attacked by um Nyla and Marina 
they walked up the ramp and then they met up with the outcast that's tony storm soraya aka page and um ruby soho and they didn't even attack nyla who is an AEW OG, but then they decided to go after Rio, who had already been beat up. And that irritated me, because I'm just like, it's three of y'all and two of Nyla and Marina. Why didn't you go ahead and attack them since y'all got such beef with AEW OGs? Like, that was really weird. It's like, y'all beat up on the week of one, and that made me mad, because I'm just like, y'all call yourselves big and bad, but couldn't attack Nyla Rose. I didn't like that at all. But basically, after that had happened, they attacked Riho, beat up on her, and then spray painted her back. And I was just like, okay, y'all. And it's clear that with the outcast name and with the match of colors, they're paying a tribute to NWO and basically making it seem like these women are the new NWO. Um, or maybe there'll be more women added to it, but who knows? But Either way, the outcasts do have something to say next week on um, Dynamite. And I can't wait to see what exactly they'll have to say because I'm really interested in that. But them attacking Rio and not attacking Nyla Rose really did irritate me. So we're just going to move forward. And another part of Rampage I really liked was Action Andretti in his match versus Sammy Guevara. Action Andretti is a man who's only been wrestling for three years. And when they said that on commentary, I wanted to die. I was like, excuse me, three years, excuse me, three years, you have only been wrestling. The way this man wrestles, he wrestles like he's been wrestling for like maybe seven, not even three. Um, Even though he lost the match due to some shenanigans, I just can't wait to see more of what Action Andretti has to offer. Because his high flying stuff and the stuff that he does off the top ropes and everything is really cool. I'm becoming a fan of Action Andretti and I can't wait to see more of what he's at, he has to offer. He's already upset Chris Jericho. So now that that has happened, you know, I feel like it's only up from here. So Action Andretti did a phenomenal job in his match even though he didn't win. And I can't wait to see more of what he has to offer. Three years? That's insane to me. And I also want to send love and positive energy to Powerhouse Hobbs, who won the TNT Championship. This is his first singles title officially. So I'm so happy that he won that um, on an episode of the Dynamite After Revolution. He won that title after winning the Golden Ring. Um, I'm pumped about that. So um, it's really cool. I'm really happy about that because I just love Black Champions. And honestly, I feel like he should be in contention at some point for the world title because I feel like AEW is having a little bit of a problem with booking black men to go for the top title. It just seems to be the same people all the time. And it's just like, okay, we're three years in now. You have black male talent. Let them qualify for the big titles now. And MJF needs some new opponents. So let these black men fight for these main title. But as it stands, Powerhouse Hobbs is the TNT champion, and I hope he holds it for a longer period of time. So, yeah, that's pretty much. Well, no, that's not all. Another thing I liked about Rampage was this heartfelt announcement from Mark Briscoe about the direction of the Ring of Honor tag team titles, which were, which were of course, held by him and his brother, the late Jay Briscoe, who sadly passed away in a car accident. So 
him and Tony Khan, you know, discussed it. And he said that the one way that we can honor his brother while also, you know, moving the tag titles forward is by doing a reach for the sky ladder match at Supercard of Honor the weekend of WrestleMania for the tag titles. And the first people who are set to participate in it are the Lucha Bros. So they did announce that. And this, I just really love seeing um, Mark Briscoe on television and him being in good spirits despite what happened. Because it's like I said, he doesn't owe us anything. He could really be just sitting at home and just relaxing or doing something else. But he comes on TV every week and does what he has to do um, in terms of wrestling and stuff. Because he still wants to participate in it, you know. And he is such a good wrestler. Like, he's really good. So, I just want to send big ups and love for him. Because it can't be easy at all to start in wrestling with your brother, be tag team champions with your brothers, help build up the ring of honor brand and these tag titles with your brother. And now he's no longer here and you have to do it by yourself, but he's still very enthralling on his own. So we're sending love to Mark Briscoe and I'm excited to see where the tag titles go after this point. I know it really can't be easy, but big love to him. Seriously. And also, the last thing that I loved in wrestling this week was the wild match between Robbie Rocket and Vivian Rivera. They wrestled an amazing match because Vivian Rivera is the woman of a thousand pins. And Robbie Rocket did a phenomenal job by beating Vivian Rivera by hitting her with some with some type of... Well, she hit her with a code breaker off of the second and the top rope. She hopped up and hopped up on the other rope and hit a code breaker onto Vivian Rivera in order to win. And I thought that was really impressive. And I wanted to talk about that here. But if you want to hear more of me talking about WOW, you can check me out on the WOW after show every Monday, um, on Monday, this tomorrow at 6 p.m. So that's really all that I liked in wrestling this week. And I hope you enjoyed that whole segment. So now we're going to go into the call to action. Because there's a lot of stuff I do have to announce and talk about a little bit more. Um, so if you haven't already, go on foryourwear.com slash hardy wrestling podcast and buy the select your Alabama wrestling fighter t-shirts in the shape of the state of Alabama. Um, please go on there and, and then on the back of the t-shirts, you have the podcast logo too. So not only are you representing Alabama wrestling, you're representing the Hardy Wrestling Podcast full on when you turn around and you see the logo on the back. So please check out the t-shirt and the hoodies as well. I know hoodie season is getting ready to wrap up because it is spring. But if you want a t-shirt, they're available in red and black and in all sizes. Um, and on the t-shirts, of course, you see Sensational Sherry, Teddy Long, Kayla Braxton, Paul Bearer, Deborah, Fuego Del Sol, and AQA. So if you want to wear an interesting wrestling t-shirt that lets you know about the history of Alabama wrestling as a whole, of people that you've seen on television, please buy the t-shirt and support the brand. Um, the people who have bought it have enjoyed it. They'd say it's really comfortable and, you know, it really does cause conversation. So I'm really glad. Thank you to those who have purchased the t-shirt and I hope that it continues to grow and get bigger, you know, as we continue to go. So please go on foryourwear.com slash hardy wrestling podcast and buy the shirt and more merchandise is on the way. Also, 
If you want to check me out on more content, you can check me out on Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet, on the WOW Women of Wrestling After Show with InCat We Trust Katrina and Emily May Heller every Monday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can check me out on the SmackDown and Rampage After Show with our editor-in-chief, Dreon Santana, every Friday at 10.30 p.m. after both shows go off the air. Or, of course, you know, if they switch stuff around, we'll be on at a different time. But most of the time, it's at 10.30 Central. But this week, I will be on more after shows with Women's Wrestling Talk. You can catch me on the women Women's Wrestling Army after show with Aisha and the NXT after show, which normally has Shay and... um. And Katrina on there, but Shay is taking a little bit of a break for herself. So I will be filling in for her on both shows. So if you want to catch me on multiple things this week, you can catch me there. And also just continue to support the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Continue to support the brand. Listen to me um, and the show everywhere you get your podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Um, Anchor, which is now Spotify for podcasters for whatever reason, but listen to me there um, on iHeartRadio and everywhere else. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got up to over 160 subscribers um, this past week. So thank you guys for that. Continue to get keep that momentum going and raise the subscribership and watch all of my content on there. You can watch every episode on video and also listen to it on audio as well. So please continue to support the brand and follow me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy on Instagram and Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And also just follow Women's Wrestling Talk at WW Talk Pod. And also if you are in need for um and i've been featured in multiple places multiple places guys i'm sorry the wi-fi is being weird so if you want to feature if you want or need somebody to be a host or a writer or a color commentator or a panelist for anything involving women in wrestling, you have my contact information right here. This entire graphic was made by Katrina of In Cat We Trust, and I thank her for that. Um, and she's also responsible for all of the graphics for the show. So if you want to book me for your wrestling events, book me at hardywrestlingpodcast at gmail.com or DM me at Queen Steph Hardy on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll work something out. And I'll let you know what my rate is and all of the above. So book your girl because I am waiting to be the next voice in wrestling. So book me for color commentary or anything else um, that you have going on. So. In the meantime, in between time, this has been your girl, Stephanie Hardy of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for so much for joining me on this episode. And until next time, bye, y'all.